Happy Friday. Not only that, happy football. The Eagles officially took the field and Carson Wentz threw a touchdown and all is right in the world. What is up? Adam Lefko here at Adam Lefko on Crossing Broadcast. We have Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad at Russell Joy. He is at Joy on Broad. I meant and Russell Joy. Uh, hope Wednesday was good, guys, but the Eagles played last night. Uh, the the gifs, the gifts were abound of Matt Collins' touchdown. That was some pretty special stuff. It was kind of cool to to kind of see the team back out there, and that made me smile. Ladies and gentlemen, as you're listening to this, I'm sure that you've thought about the potential of turning on the radio. Well, actually, no, you haven't. That's why you're here. But while some guy is calling from Doylestown to a radio station, the Crossing Broadcast is delivering a Mac Hollins-level stiff arm to the competition. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's great to... Great to finally have a, an actual game to talk about. Although it is preseason, and many people might have tuned out after that first quarter, it really is great to have something to talk about. That was it. That was. A, I feel like you wrote that out. That was oddly poetic. I don't think many people call from Doylestown. Also, I feel like it's more like Broomall, Broomall, Norristown. Yeah, I get emails about that. Anyway, yeah, uh, it's good to have football back. I always like the first preseason game. I like Scott Graham. I like Mike Mayock. I think. Uh, I think Mike likes football more than more than most people love anything on the planet. Uh, I enjoy his enthusiasm and his uh, painfully awkward comments each quarter about Frenching Scott Graham and about Dave Spadaro eating on the plane. Uh, that was a little bit odd, but uh, yeah, it's it's good to be back. I think lots of lots of things to discuss. I would say that the only thing that caught me initially was. Uh, just a slight reminder as to how much I hated Doug Peterson's horizontal play calling. Uh, but that's something I think we're going to have to live with for the next uh, however long until Doug Peterson gets fired, uh, which might be a year, might be three years, might be ten. But uh, that's all That's all I got from the first drive in terms of uh, overall thoughts. Yeah, what's What's funny about Peterson is I do like the, the what, what you called his offense because I do think it's pretty accurate. The horizontal offense? No, the uh, oh, the more, oh, yeah, the yeah, more phallic the, imagery. The yeah, it's uh, wider than it is deep. It's the chode offense, the tuna yeah. can, if you will. And there we go. I feel yeah. like he he's kind of like a poker player that a lot of people like bluff to then play it tight later and cash in. He never he never cashes in. Like I I like the way he calls those plays early in the game. So early on, it was Jordan Matthews kind of going across, and then it was some counter plays, but then he never adds in the deep throw to take advantage of the misdirection. And that's always my thing with Doug is I never know what he's building towards. Um, I thought, man, it's so interesting when I see people on Twitter talking about how Mac Hollins did all the work on the Carson Wentz play and they forget that Carson Wentz dunked under a sack and then rolled right and then jumped off one leg and threw it across his body. Uh, I'm really excited to rub Carson Wentz's success in all of those people that took shots at him this offseason in their face because he looks really good. Um, I thought the offensive line played pretty well. Uh, I went back and kind of watched the plays and just focused on the linemen. And Samalo looks great. Like, he, he really looks good. Peters, I, I don't know how many more years. I, I mean, I, I know we have like a year and a half left to the guy, but sometimes in the running game it's scary. Um Ertz and Selleck, like Ertz really can't block and it's really bad. And, and like, I saw some spark out of Trey Burton later where I keep thinking 
If Ertz can't block and Burton's faster, I don't know why I'm not seeing more of him. Uh, it was nice to see Jordan Matthews get a bunch of catches and not drop a ball and realize that all of that hype about Nelson Aguilar, this is exactly what we've been talking about. Jordan's done it for three years. Nelson's done it for zero years. And yet we just didn't give Jordan the respect. Um, I thought Matt Collins was awesome. Um, I thought defensively, I'm going to just say right away, man, Derek Barnett is a baller. And that motor they talked about, it definitely showed up. He was pushing David Bakhtiari back multiple plays into the quarterback. And that is a pro bowl left tackle. Uh, Barnett's strength is evident. Uh, two sacks, and they were earned sacks. They were not coverage sacks. He, he really pushed the pocket. It was great. Um, Secondary is going to be an issue. But that first-team defense, man, I, I genuinely believe – I wasn't sure if Jernigan was going to be better than Benny Logan, but I'm very confident that he looks bigger and faster than Benny Logan. And that D-line was just – it, it did whatever it wanted to the Packers O-line. And I know, Kyle, you had some doubts about uh, LeGarrette Blunt, but he looked quick. Um, on that fourth down play, fourth and seven that they converted, he had a clutch sack-saving block that freed up Carson Wentz that I don't think Ryan Matthews or Darren Sproles would have been able to do last year, um, which I think is an added benefit that we didn't factor into Blunt was the pass blocking. But... Um, overall, I even like them allowing a punt return touchdown because I'd much rather you do that now and let Dave Phipp have three to four weeks of getting in the special teams room and going, I know you think you're above uh, covering punts, but this is what happens when you don't. So I thought overall it was pretty successful. I, I still obviously have some concerns like Chance Warmack was not that great filling in for Brooks, and I kind of was hoping he was going to be like this undercover stud. And my other thought was, man, it would have been really nice to have Alan Barber with how rough the second and third offensive linemen look. But um, yeah, I, I, that, that, those were, that's like my dump of all my takes from last night. But overall, I'm re- the Mac Hollins kid is, has got me super excited. Yeah, I agree. And the nickname slash t-shirt potential for him is huge. I saw, uh, I saw Mac attack. I like, uh, Return of the Mac, especially if you were to bring one back. Um, that was unintentional. Uh, Dave Phipp, a quick point on him. Uh, I, I always look forward to uh, – I'd posit that last night after the return, there was actually more than 50% of his total eyeball girth uh, outside of the socket. I appreciate that from him. I enjoy his stare. Uh, I will say this about Blunt because I'm, I'm just assuming I'm going to have to eat crow on him until – um, you know, something unceremonious happens. Um, it, there's the misconception, and I, I still saw people last night tweeting about it. Like, hey, run him into the line. What is Doug doing trying to bounce him to the outside? I think because of his size and, and quite frankly, I think his name, which is sort of like reeks of big bruiser, that a lot of people just assume that he is like a fullback style running back. He, what has made him successful is the fact that he's not only big, but he's also oddly quick for his size and oddly athletic for his size. And I think you saw a little bit of that last night. So I will, I, I will give Blunt that benefit of the doubt, and I'll have to do so until uh, maybe I'm proven right or hopefully proven wrong that he had, my hate for him. He had two plays that, that really 
perfectly explain what you were just saying about he's not just a bruiser. The one long run where he was kind of weaving, I mean, his vision was fantastic to just follow his blocks and cut. And I was expecting more of a straight-ahead guy. And then, excuse me, the the first two-point conversion that they were called offsides on the Packers, it collapsed in front of him, and he sidestepped and then went. And we haven't seen that from a running back in a few years. Like, Matthews is legitimately, he just puts his head down and goes sometimes. So that was good to see. I thought the other thing, too, was uh, I know we've been reading a lot of press clippings recently about Marcus Johnson, but one note Bryce Treggs apparently is more than one note. I mean, he was he was fantastic out there. I think he had like more than seven, eight catches, uh, but he's fighting for that last wide receiver spot, and he looked like a different, different player uh, yesterday. Speaking of the uh, wide receivers, um, can we officially bury the Nelson Aguilar narrative from uh, shorts and shorts and helmets? Yeah, like I'd like to, I'd like to see some more play calls for him. Uh, I don't like the fact that he dropped the two point conversion, even though Carson admittedly did throw that like kind of behind him and too high. But yeah, for me, it was just seeing Jordan Matthews do what he always does. That to even compare those two, it's it, I understand why Jordan Matthews was insulted. You know, to do what he's done for three years and then, you know, to to call meaningless training camp slash preseason football to say, you know what, he could lose his job. I I would be pissed too. It's funny because you would think they would have called a few plays for Aguilar on the first drive and they didn't. And Carson kept going to the well with Matthews. And you're like, oh, yeah, Matthews isn't uh, maybe as athletic, but he's he's big and, and generally speaking, has okay hands. Uh, I agree. The pass to Aguilar was not... It was not a good one, and it would have been a hot to handle, but it was it was oddly poetic that they marched down the field, I think, what with Matthews having three catches, and then, uh, you know, Aguilar, it literally goes through his hands. Like, I, it hit his hands so hard that I think it just separated the fingers and went through them, which is classic Aguilar. And the sort of thing that, like, you could kind of dismiss as a two-point conversion in a preseason game because it was hot to handle, but if that were a meaningful play in a game, like, he would be, he would be like, sitting on a bed of fire today for that. Yeah, I also love that Ron Brooks gives me Al Harris vibes. It's like the dreads, and he's like kind of like bouncing all over the place. I love a third corner that that rocks the do like that. Russ, um, so this is kind of your first time being on a podcast, and then football starts. What do you think of uh, Eagles Twitter versus like Sixers Twitter, and just like the rush of of reactions to every play? <laughs> I think Russ is dead. <laughs> so now the, I, the topic comes. What do you think? Ru- yeah. What do you think Russ is doing right now? Is he a I, changing, changing a, a diaper. diaper? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna go with a. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a. Or that, or consoling a kid. But I think it's an emergency diaper. Change. I noticed a lot of highlights were being posted last night. Do you think that continues into the season, or is that only preseason stuff? In terms of like fans on Twitter or the or like official accounts. Oh, hold on, Russ posted. Gotta run out with the wife and kids quick. Not oh, hopefully nothing's wrong. Um, no, just like I know that the NFL cracks down on video being posted. I just wasn't sure if this is only a preseason thing or if this will be allowed all season now. Uh, I I don't know. I I know. 
I would suspect that in the preseason, I know the teams have some of the rights to the video because it's like their own video broadcast putting it out there. So I think that might actually make a difference in terms of what like team affiliated people can tweet because sort of famously now they can't, uh, you know, they can't post video of, of regular season games and they were, you had all the teams doing the gifts and stuff last year. Um, uh, it's, it's interesting. You Russ ask Russ about the like Philly Eagles, Twitter. I, I thought about this after two plays last night and I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down, like finally just enjoy a football game. And I found myself through at least the first couple of drives, like feeling compelled to tweet after every play. And I'm like, God, like what is wrong with us as a fan base where we have to go have this? I mean, it's, it's, it's fun on one regard, but in the other regard, it's like, you're all sitting around the giant circle in a giant bar. And every time something happens, like everybody just has to shout their opinion into the middle and either, either ostracize a guy because of one play or, you know, proclaim him, you know, put him up on, um, you know, on your shoulders and carry him through the town and heap joy upon him. Like every single play is like this in Eagles Twitter. And it's it's yeah. both endearing and sort of frightening because we are so, so reactive and the pacing of football makes it as such that you pretty much have a good 30 seconds to fire out a tweet between every single play. Yeah, I, I got three things on that. One, football is the perfect Twitter sport because it's pay attention for seven seconds and then talk for 35, uh, which is perfect. Two, it's not just Eagles Twitter. So I am I follow way too many beat reporters and like different things, and this is everything. Like they like Bears the fans, fans too though. Like I know yes, the beat reporters. Yes. Okay, Bears fans last night were ready to bench Mike Glennon after six plays. And then we're already crowning Trubisky. And then I'm trying to think of some more. The the Cleveland Browns, what they were doing with like Brock Osweiler, like they were already like, why are we even trotting him out there? Cut him off the team after like a third and seven incomplete pass. So um, it's not just Eagles fans, even though I know like our reputation precedes us. But the other thing you described is why I don't like to watch football games in bars. Because I just I just can't sit there and pay attention for seven seconds. And then everyone's like, here's my opinion on what just happened. Like, I have a really hard time doing that. So you just described, like, that's my nightmare is just watch a play and then yell for 45 seconds. Like, I, I will try and sit there and quiet. And it's, it's just a weird experience. But, um, yeah, I, I can't, I, I don't enjoy that too much. See, I could do I could do a game at a bar, but I don't like I don't like a big important game at a bar. Like I'm the I'm sort of the I did watch the 2005 Super Bowl, but I was 21 and like felt compelled. But I feel like like I could go to see a regular season game at a bar and enjoy it because it's like a little lighter, but when or a, certainly a preseason game. But when they when there's something on the line, like those Phillies runs, I watched a couple games at the bars, but I feel. I feel at home. I need to be in a cocoon. And I know this is like a sports talk radio conversation, but I need to be like me and the TV and people around me who are as into it as I am. I watched an NLCS game once with, uh, actually my friend Dan was there and he listens to this and he's going to get mad at me, but like it was a room full of conversation and like four of the people weren't sports fans. And I just, I can't do that for a big game. So I'm, I'm with you like 50% of the way on on your bar take. Yeah. But I, I, I could do regular season games at the bar. Let me, uh, I have a few more notes that I had written down just from like watching the yeah. game that I kind of want to get out. Um, one, I noticed something twice when the Eagles were in the red zone. 
Um, this is very deep in the weeds. They used one of the backup tackles, Dylan Gordon, at fullback. And the Eagles aren't a big fullback team, but twice when they went down there, like inside the 10, they took one of their tackles and put him at fullback. So my first thought was, okay, just something to watch, and I wonder what that means for Dylan Gordon. And maybe that was why they traded Barber, because they knew they liked this guy. The other thing is like just kind of – when you go through all of the draft picks and kind of see, okay, because I, I like to use these games to kind of to look at draft picks and how they look. Um, I've already talked about Derek Barnett, and if he ends up being really good, plus you get the first-round pick in Sidney Jones, getting him in the second round, that's really good. I didn't see anything out of Rasul Douglas. He had one play where he had a nice kind of batted ball from behind, even though he got beat on the slant. But what kind of got me excited, Kyle, was after the play, he stood up and he spread his arms out in like celebration. And I was like, holy shit, this dude's wingspan is insane. Like, that's what I mean. Like, first preseason game, you're not going to see a lot, but how they look in their jersey matters. Mac Hollins obviously was fantastic. And if he ends up being a wide receiver that can contribute more than special teams, he that that um, stiff arm was against Quinton Rollins, who is a starter in the NFL. Like if we were doing like one to thirty-two, I'd put him right in the middle of the pack in terms of quality. And he just smashed that dude in the face. That was really impressive. The other fourth-round pick, Donnell Prumphrey, has a has a good spark to him. Um, he is our Darren Sproles replacement. I don't think he's going to be as elusive or as good. That That's a tall order. I think Darren Sproles is an all-time great. But they lined him up at wide receiver. He, was, he looked uh, serviceable out of the backfield. Um, I know that he had a fumble on the punt, but he tracked it down quickly, which I liked. And also, he, he attacks well on punt returns. Um, the See, other guys, I had a, before yeah, you move on from him, yeah, I was going to bring him up. Uh, I, like, yeah, I thought he was more of the flip side than Mac Hollins. Like I, he got a lot of positive press or at least tweets during training camp. And I was, to me, it felt like there was definitely a spark with him and he, he seems quick. And, uh, I just thought he looked like the game was a little too fast for him last night. And that's fine. Like that's a, that is the rookie mistake you make in the preseason. But I think on the first punt return he he jumped up and tried to I think it was him tried to return a ball that he yeah, definitely he should have fair to, caught yeah he tried to like attack it a little bit yeah and then he had the the punt return fumble and then he fumbled that one um somewhere in the red zone I think it was on the first drive that he also recovered so he recovered too but I I remember yeah. thinking like man like this guy's had a rough 45 minutes and then he got popped on one of those uh uh, one of those routes to the near sideline. Yeah, Kevin uh, King destroyed yeah. him on a wheel yeah. route. And then Chance Wormack actually recovered the fumble, which I was like, hey, that's that's good for a huge fat dude to be able to locate yeah. a football like that and figure it out. But I think, um, yeah, I kind of like overlook like the errors um, just with Pumphrey, just because I was like, okay, I see a spark with him. But I do think I agree with you. He was super hyped up in the training camp, and I look at it and go, okay, he, he looks like a young, like a very young Sproles, like the inexperience is there, and I don't see all the craziness, but I do see potential. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. And those are like, though, I'd rather see those mistakes in the preseason than like egregious 
uh, ability mistakes. Like those are other, those are rookie mistakes where the game exactly. is, is still not slow to your your liking yet. Uh, the fifth round pick, Nathan Gary, I thought was was kind of all over the place. Like if like for a for a fifth round linebacker out of Nebraska, I was impressed with that. And then past that, uh, Elijah Qualls, I'd have to go back and and really pay attention to to his snaps, but. First team offense, first team defense, I thought looked really good. And I'm super excited about Jernigan lining up next to uh, Fletcher Cox. And I thought Brandon Graham is is a beast and he's going to get respect this year. And I thought it was very funny that Michael Kendricks had more catches than Nelson Aguilar after all this offseason was trade Kendricks and Aguilar's a beast. Kendricks had a pick and Aguilar didn't have a catch. But no Alshon. Um, what, what do you think? Week three in the preseason? Is that when we're supposed to possibly see him? Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of people, when he tweeted that picture of his jersey last night, even the beat guys were tweeting like the little uh, side-eye emojis as if he was potentially going to play. Um, so I don't know. I, wouldn't, I don't think we, I'd be shocked to see him see him next game. Uh, I, the, the, Aguilar, the Aguilar thing's just funny to me because he stayed out. I wasn't tracking how long he stayed, but he was out for a little bit of McGloin, and like I, <laughs> the, I didn't realize he wound up with no catches. That's 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 incredible. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I do. You, I know we don't talk a lot about like some of the big uh, national things like Kaepernick and all that stuff, but Malcolm Jenkins is going to continue to protest the national anthem, dude. I have a story that I kind of want to share um, that happened to me last time I was in Margate. Um, so I got picked up by an Uber when I got. Please tell me it involves you kneeling in a bar for a for no, a song. No, no, no. Okay. But I was. I'm curious what your take is on this. Uh, I got picked up by this guy in the Uber, and he asked me what I do, and I had to explain to him what an internet sports website was, and he says, "Oh, do you like the Eagles?" I said, "Yeah, man, I love the Eagles. That's my team." And he goes, "Oh, I couldn't watch them last year," and I said, "What do you mean, like cable?" And he goes, "No." When they started protesting the anthem, I refused to watch the games. And I was like, wow, like I've actually never met anybody that protested because of that. What was it? He goes, you know, they were, you know, raising the fist and some of them were kneeling and I just, I didn't like that. Uh, he goes, so I actually didn't watch. I said, so you must have not watched any NFL last year because everybody was doing it. He goes, no, one team didn't, the Chiefs. So I watched the Chiefs last year. And I went, the Chiefs didn't? He goes, no, they told all their players that if any of them did anything, they would get in trouble. And it was so funny to me because I was like, wow, Andy Reid, I didn't even realize that was a storyline. And he was like, yeah, you know, I served in the military. My brother served in the military, my dad, my uncle. And I just, and I said, listen, I appreciate your service. And you know what? It's a free country, literally. That's why we, you know, that's why they can protest and why, you know, and I appreciate your family for allowing us to have a free country. Um, I said, but you know, I said, if you want to watch the chiefs, man, like go for it. But I see Malcolm Jenkins is doing the fist in the air again. I will just admit and say that I, I appreciate having a player on our roster like Malcolm Jenkins, who is willing to speak his mind, whether or not you agree with it or not. I just appreciate that we have a, a guy that's, so so much of a leader that goes this is what i stand for i just respect people that stand up for what they believe in matter what no matter what it is um but you know 
what, what do you think just about like the, the national landscape and how Malcolm's taking a stand? How do you think that plays in the Eagles fan base? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, I, I feel it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like if, if you're doing, again, like you said, if you want to take a stance on something, you have an opinion on something, you think it's important and, uh, you know, this topic certainly is, then by all means, go ahead. I think, I, I'm guessing you're, you're driver. I'm just, just a white dude. Yes. And okay. I, I would uh, say the, the, the description of Justa describes him more. Just a white dude. Okay. Um, because I, I feel like, I mean, there, there's a division there along, you know, some sort of lines. But I think this kind of goes back to the, uh, like, the way a lot of us, like, in our circles in the Northeast, even if you're a Republican, and I'd say I generally, gen, generally lean, like, conservative on most things and, and 60% of the time vote Republican. Um, I, it is so different. The, the definition of conservative and Republican is so different in the, in the middle of the country or for certain subsets of people that I think like our circles that we, we hang out with or talk with or converse with on Twitter um, don't share those sentiments or those people are um, you know kind of cast aside when they do say something. And I think there's a, a, a big the, you know chasm between the northeast and the middle of the country or you know people who have the views of the middle of the country and it does go back to the trump thing a little like i don't think our circles really understand why why like there are really some people who have a serious problem with that and would not watch an nfl team and like i i think colin kaepernick should be in the league i have no problem with anything malcolm jenkins has said or does because i i genuinely believe that he cares very deeply about this with jenkins i don't think he's some people have accused accused players like that of being opportunistic i don't think that's the case with jenkins at all um i think uh but I do think we misunderstand, and I'm not saying they're right. I don't think they're right. But I do think we misunderstand the sentiments of a lot of the country. And when you hear like this implicit, like the owners kind of get it and understand that it can impact their wallet, and and where everyone kind of yells about, well, Kaepernick should have a job, which is true. Um, there, there, there are people out there who will not watch teams or will bail on the league because of certain things. And I think when you see comments like, oh, Sports Center's ratings are down because they're too liberal, I think that is way oversimplifying things. But there are definitely people out there who I'm sure have stopped watching ESPN because they, they lean pretty far left of late. And, and obviously there are people out there who won't watch a football team because one guy on the team is putting his fist in the air, one or two guys. So... Uh, I, I'm just amazed at the divide between like our circles and and some other circles that don't maybe aren't in aren't in our echo chamber or just like don't you know kind of you know converse in the same circles that we do. I know that yeah. was a roundabout answer, but no, I th- I think it's the truth, and I think it's well. Hold on, Russ is back in the fold. Hi, Russ. Hey. Uh, is the family okay? My two-year-old, I guess, at some point puked all over himself in his crib. He and pulled so- an Aguilar. Yeah, exactly. So after uh, after Excuse some me, tedious McNabb. after some tedious uh, cleanup and bathing, we are, I think we're settled back in. My apologies. I couldn't help but notice that you were talking about my. Well, uh, you missed it. We talked my, about my the preferred... union for fifteen minutes. No, you stop. <laughs> uh, about my preferred, uh, you know, third string quarterback, Colin Kaepernick. Really glad to hear that uh, that Adam 
and uh, Kyle have come around to this idea. You know, no, that's not it what takes we're me about. it takes me back to 2005 when Jeff Blake was the uh, the third string quarterback for the Eagles. He was really good on 2K5. Uh, I always remember throwing the ball on the uh, you'd hit the little black button, and that was the one that To was on and touchdown every time. It's Russ, great. Why does it have to be the little black button? Because it was a little black button, just like I thought you weren't an X Xbox button, guy. Just you like talked the, about this last just show. Just like the uh, the X guy. button was blue. Like it, that's there's no letter on it, Adam. Let's Russ, not try we were, to make this uh, you know was, some it, kind of a uh, a a ridiculous thing when it doesn't have to be. This is before we had both bumper and trigger buttons on our couch, on our uh, on so, our controller. Russ, I was actually talking about um, Malcolm Jenkins is still going to be lifting the fist in the air, and I was talking about a, uh, an Uber driver that said he refused to watch Eagles games because some of the guys protested the anthem. But we haven't really gotten your takes yet. What were your big takeaways from last night, whether it's on the field and then also experiencing Eagles Twitter for the first time? Um, I, I watched like the first quarter, I think. And I think I flipped back and forth a little bit. I DVR'd it just in case there was a big moment. Um, Mac Hans was a guy. Now, again, I don't watch college football all that much. I, I would not declare myself any kind of an expert or, or anything better than a typical fan. But... Mac Hans was a guy that I was excited about right after the draft, and I was glad to see him make a play. I was happy to see that Jordan Matthews decided to, like, you know, really uh, shove it down everyone's throat who's been writing about Nelson Aguilar taking his job, um, going out and actually making plays, being a, a physical receiver. Like, I thought that was good. That that made me at least a, a little bit happy. The Nelson Aguilar end-around play, I think it was, like, second or third in inches, and Dougie calls for this uh, this reverse end around that that got I think lost two or three yards. It, it I don't know. I don't I don't get too hyped up. the The weird thing was yesterday, I looked at my wife and I was like, "Look, I'm not gonna get upset about a preseason game because there's no point to it." And then like three minutes into the game, I'm yelling at Doug Peterson. I'm like visibly angry and frustrated watching Legarrette Blunt only make like a yard or two I, I think there was like a play he runs in he runs kind of like uh pretty much off to the middle this is my really good terminology i think he <laughs> runs off the guard he picks up like a yard and mike mayock says and that's what he does best i'm like that's what he does best is get he one did yard elude a tackle like on. one yard I, I can't is like one yard is one yard is good when you're on the goal line but like one yard in like the middle of the field i'm not as i'm not as hyped up it's like somebody decided to go buy a Philly Blunt. See, this is kind of where we come back to like Kyle's sort of imagery. This is like somebody goes out to buy like a strawberry Philly Blunt on their 18th birthday because it seems like the cool thing to do, and then you go to light it and it and it just fizzles out. Like that's how I felt about Legarrette Blunt last night. Now, granted, Russ, he, I can almost feel sh- Adam chomping at the bit here. Go. Ahead. Well, yeah, I can't believe I can't believe Russ knows what strawberry Phillies are. See that? You're welcome. Uh. But you Wait, know, time like, out. So, did what? you buy one on your 18th birthday, but you actually smoked what was inside the strawberry Philly blunt? You don't inhale, Adam. I don't want lung cancer. No, but nobody, nobody smokes those things at all. No one uses them for what they are. Like, no one thinks those are really cigars. You're supposed to empty them, and that's where people put banned, like illegal products in. <gasps> someone, oh, no. someone tell, someone don't tell uh, uh, Middleton this build his empire i would love to see russ be like hey guys i bought us some phillies to celebrate the podcast i'd be like russ don't smoke that i have some really good dominican cigars that's uh that's about the extent 
Yeah, because here's a, a little-known fact while I uh, drive this whole thing off the rails. The, the uh, Dominican Republic ended up drawing in a few really top cigar companies that prior to the kind of the lift on some of the trade embargo with Cuba, they were starting to manufacture the same kind of product that they were in Cuba, but uh, they didn't have to face any kind of the regulations that uh, Cuba would have to face in trying to import to the United States. There you go. The more you know. Doom, doom, doom. Did not see that coming. Russ, I, I'm, uh, I'm letting people know. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on your blunt take. I'm I'm not the blunt fan, but I, I don't think there was any there's any reasonable way to really criticize him after last night. I thought he looked fine. I think that play you're talking about I'm with Mayock, saying, you know. the everything collapsed on him. He eluded a tackle and turned a what would have been a surefire loss into at least like a falling forward sort of gain. I I, I don't I'm not a fan of his. And I said that I, I you probably had walked away, but I said to Adam I think people still kind of like misunderstand his game and think he's just a bruiser. He actually is like, I saw people tweeting, I guess it was the first play where they tried to run him to the outside or the second play and it didn't get much or he took a loss and people are like, this is why you don't run blunt to the outside. But he's actually a guy who can get to the outside and that's what's made him successful is because so, he's deceptively big and quick or deceptively quick. But I, 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 I say that my bigger takeaway wasn't really even like Blunt. It was that Wendell Smallwood wasn't playing again because he was injured again. And, yeah, and like that, that was disappointing because I was actually hoping to see this is where I get into the first preseason game. Like I know that I'm only going to watch Carson once play one drive. I was slightly disappointed. I know that it's probably being overreacting, you know, overreactionary to this. I was hoping that on a short field, you would, you would send Carson and the first team offense back out. I think it started at like the 25 yard line or something like that. Work on your red zone package. Like one time against the live defense. I'd have been fine watching that. Like, I get the idea of psychologically leaving after a touchdown. Maybe he had as many snaps and touches as they wanted him to have, but I would have liked to have seen Doug roll the first-team offense back out there, get a little bit more live practice. If it doesn't work or it, it sets up a field goal, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. But I was disappointed that Wendell Smallwood didn't play. Like, I, I thought that was a shame. Pumphrey fumbled the ball, then got banished to Siberia for a little bit. Um, it was just, I, I don't know. Like, there, there weren't as many things for me to get ex- excited about. We knew that Alshon wouldn't play which was a bummer, but let I don't me, um, necessarily know what we learned all let, that much. Well, it's, it's a great question. What did game. we learn? Kyle just came to the defense of LeGarrette Blunt, which is an incredible thing to realize. But let, to me, let me read you uh, what Elliot Shore Parks wrote this morning about LeGarrette Blunt and tell me if it matches up with what you guys saw. Thursday might have been the first red flag for LeGarrette Blunt's 2017 season, he continues. Blunt looked slow and unable to avoid defenders. He needed a massive hole to gain nine yards on one carry. Uh, The veteran seems better suited for a part-time role. And then finished with, so Peterson likely plugged in Blunt um, because Wendell Small, whatever. Is that what you guys saw last night? Wow. Uh, Yeah. Right, like didn't we just talk about, we talked about the opposite of that for like 15 minutes there. You know what's weird is... It's really I, weird. Like, Look, it's, I don't know. you don't know who knows what they're watching. And I, what, I, what scares me is there's probably thousands of people that read NJ.com and then go home and go, you know what? I don't think Blunt was that great last night. And then we wonder why people call up Gargano and, and all these people and go, I think Blunt stinks. And you're sitting there going, guys, there was no holes for him yesterday. And he, like, he, was, he was good. I don't know. I just, I think that's crazy. I'm I think not it's a weird big... Be- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Well, so 
Elliot Shore Parks is a guy that I I follow on Twitter, but I can't help but notice that it, it feels like I don't know if if it's inside inside jokes with other beat writers or if people legitimately who who do the same job just think he doesn't know what he's doing. But there have been a a, a decent amount of of shade throwing incidents over the last few weeks that make me legitimately wonder if if Elliot is in on the joke or if they really don't like his opinions. Because if, <laughs> if he's looking at the same thing that I'm looking at, and I couldn't tell you what exactly to look for on a given play, uh, I don't actually know what I'm trying to say here, but like if, if I don't feel like I'm getting extra level insight past what I'm seeing in the game, then I don't know what Elliot Shore Parks is doing necessarily. Like I don't know what any of these beat guys are doing. If they, if they can't break down a play as it's happening or, or just after to identify that there are no holes for LeGarrette Blunt to run through, but rather they're just making the same kind of observation that I'm making without any replay, if that uh, makes so any I, sense. Like, that's weird to me. So, yeah, I know Elliot a little. Uh, he's been on uh, previous versions of the podcast, I'd say three times uh, at the beginning of each year. I think we did, like, after the first week, three straight years, and we should continue that because I would actually really look forward to Adam and Elliot having a conversation at this point. Um, I've worked. I've worked with Elliot before. I've met him. I okay. like him. I just yeah, I, I, and I agree with what Russ is saying. I notice that tongue and cheek stuff too. So I would love to hear your insight on this, Kyle, because you know this world a lot better than us. Yeah, I think, and Elliot has said this before. He knows certainly fans, and I'm, I'm guessing some of his peers sort of get their back up. He writes for the internet. He always has. And he, the model at NJ.com, I don't know how specific guys are paid, but I do know that at least some of them, at least for a time, were there was definitely a page view incentive there. And you could certainly feel that in a lot of their writing. Like him and Matt Lombardo do a lot of click heavy stuff, That's which scary. I don't, it is a little bit. Um, I don't. You know, I don't have a problem with a headline. I, like, here's when you look at like when people trying to find clickbait, and I'm not going to get off on a tangent here, but I think there's two types. I think you can write a really clever headline that compels people to click, but if you give them in the article what the headline says, like if I write something as ridiculous as here's Howie Roseman going to the bathroom on a plane, uh, which I've done, and then people say it's clickbait, I'm like, actually, it's not, like it's literally, I'm not baiting you at all. I'm, I'm telling you exactly what you're going to find in the post. So I think there's a difference between that and saying, such and such players said this about a, about a beloved eagle. Like I feel like that is clickbait, and I do think New Jer- NJ.com does that sometimes. But Elliot has defended himself, and I, I'll give him like some slack here. He's trying to start a conversation. Like his his view on covering sports is let's let's have a conversation. Let's put a poll up. Let's rank guys in the preseason. Let's he I think he's charted like every one of Carson Wentz's throws. Like let's do things that fans are going to click on and kill some time with. So I as doing what I do on the site, I've never really had a problem with that sort of like, hey, let's have some fun with sports. Uh, it doesn't bother me as much as some other people. I know Elliot would tell you that he's aware that it it might bother like the Les Bowens and Jeff McLeans of the world. I don't know what his relationship with individuals is. So I, I would say that would be his stance on that. Um, I think his take on Blunt, though, is wholly ridiculous. Like, I don't know. I don't think there was really a Blunt takeaway last night. The, it, every, the line collapsed on him a couple of times. He got tackled in the backfield on the first play. And it's easy to say, oh, he's not good. Um, but my... Like, I don't think you could say that, though, from last night. And I think his, his take is sort of ridiculous. Like, he did show actual quickness. Like, when I said spirited earlier, and I don't know if we were recording yet, but I meant it. Like, there was a couple of plays where he eluded a tackler and got two or three yards, um, or that one play where he ran for, like, five or six, 
where it was like, okay, hey, yeah, he made a little something out of nothing here, and it looks like he's he's got a little pop in the tank. My my biggest concern with Blunt is always that Peterson's going to try and use him in the in the role that most fans want to see him used as the big bruiser and not he's actually at his best when he's out in space, when he's in the second level near the sidelines and is hurt, like has hurtled would be tacklers. He's deceptively athletic, but I don't think you could draw like any conclusions whatsoever about Blunt from last night, other than the fact that like, yeah, okay. He, he, he looks like he's, he's still got a little lightning in that step. I don't remember if we talked about this when I was here the first time, but I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to, to say about now. Maybe, maybe I just got confused and we did talk about this, but, Zach Ertz, or not Zach Ertz, uh, Brent Selleck and Jason Peters as blockers in the pass game and the run game. Like, there, there is a legitimate concern that I have that Selleck is, is uh, his, his usage as a blocking tight end has come close to its end. And that I'm legitimately worried about Jason Peters lasting a season and who uh, his backup got hurt last night. And the weirdest thing to me was Holly watching Pooley, on Twitter. Yeah, yes, that V. Um, watching the Eagles beat writers lose their minds saying that like he's really their only legitimate backup tackle had me thinking about how do you construct a team that relies on an old Jason Peters who might still be a good player. I'm not so sure that I, that his reputation hasn't you know led him to to be a slightly overrated player in the market, but. The fact that you don't have legitimate depth at tackle, that when you lose one guy to presumably what turned out, I guess, not to be a big injury, but when you have that scare go through your system because you don't have legitimate tackles to back up, you know, a guy like Jason Peters, like I, I'm worried about that. I'm worried well, I about. I think this is a reason why people were and, upset about Alan Barber too, getting traded. Like they, they, they had depth was a strength. You had talked about this before, Adam. Like the the offensive line actually had a little bit of depth going into the year, and it felt weird to to trade one of those guys like out of seemingly for no- a conditional seventh round pick. Yeah. Like why? Why not wait until the end of the training, like end of the preseason? Exactly. Just because when there's an injury, and you could maybe get better value. For there are. Like I've talked about. Much. There are like 25 ACL tears. The NFL every preseason, everyone gets hurt. Why get rid of him now? Why not wait and see? I just, I look back at that and I, I completely, I was nodding my head when you were talking about Vitae's injury because it's like, what if that was big? You would have really loved to have Barber, wouldn't you? Second year in a row, they traded Dennis Kelly last year for DGB. They traded Alan Barber. Do you know how hard it is to find good offensive line play? Do you know how many coaches I talk to in the NFL that say we're in an epidemic right now with offensive line play because there's so much spread offense in college that these guys don't even know how to play? And for you to just trade away guys to other teams is absolutely crazy. I think it's nonsense. Adam, how did you think that Chance Warmack did? Because I know when they signed him, there was this idea that he might have been a starter for them. I don't really know what to look at when I'm watching a game live for offensive line play specifically, unless I have to go back and watch replays to break it down. Did you see anything good out of Chance Warmack? So I did watch him on a lot of plays. Uh, he got messed up a few times on some stunts, which is kind of okay. One thing that concerned me was the first Carson Wentz sack. It was it was his fault. And as soon as Carson Wentz went down, he kind of like pointed at Lane Johnson and Lane kind of looked at him like, what are you talking about? Which is always a weird dynamic to have. 
Um, he's better in the run. I told Kyle earlier, I love the fact that he was the one that fell on the fumble. I think that is a trait and a skill for offensive linemen to be able to tra like track the ball. I thought he was okay, but I, I he was not as big and powerful as, as I kind of hoped he would be. Yeah. I was I, disappointed that Brooks was out. And yeah. I, and that, like, I immediately went back to Stress. the issues last year, but they said it was an ankle injury, so... Um, I think we've covered this game as much as we can. Are you guys ready to talk the, the big Sixers schedule announcements? That yeah, sounds lovely. So the, the big news is that uh, the Sixers get, in my opinion, the best of the Christmas Day games, which is the noon ESPN game. Uh, it's kind of like the first bowl game where it gets just as much credit as like the last just because it's the only thing to watch. So that's going to be Sixers-Knicks noon on Christmas Day. So Eagles fans have a packed Christmas uh, Christmas with Eagles-Raiders and then Sixers-Knicks. And then the other one is that the Sixers will be going to London to face off with the Celtics. I don't remember the date on that one. January 11th. January 11th. January 11th. Uh, so we get... Uh, I know Comcast Sportsnet already did the Big Ben memes with uh, Big Ben and Ben Simmons. And I am, I mean, I would take an entire Netflix series on Joel Embiid in London. But what are your guys, what is your thought on both of those, Kyle, both of those matchups? Uh, yeah, I am I love, I'm intrigued to hear what uh, people's Christmas plans are going to be. Uh, I, got, I got a couple levels on this. One is our, Ugly Christmas sweatshirt is our big seller every year. So having two games on Christmas expands the possibilities for that uh, to the nth degree. So uh, the, the cash register is ringing right now in my head. But uh, I, I enjoy, like, we were going to, we were already going to rearrange our Christmas. We did a the big meal on Christmas last year, and we learned that having a kid on Christmas morning where you're spending three hours opening presents and then trying to cook like a a fancy dinner for 10 or 12 people later in the day is, is super difficult. So we, we had already Amateurs. discussed. Yeah. Well, so we've already discussed, I'm a big Christmas Eve guy doing the nice dinner on Christmas Eve. We're, we're the entertainers here doing the nice dinner on Christmas Eve and then doing a relaxed Christmas day with, you know, something like, like, you know, more of a buffet style hoagies, stuff like that. So I like having the 12 o'clock game. You're able to watch the game. It's nice and early. You do some hoagies, and then later in the day, everyone sticks around, drinks beers, and watches the Eagles game. So I'm excited about the the holiday sports oh, watching. I'll it's the that. perfect combination. You get Sixers at 12. You're done at 2.30. You can like hang out with the family, have the dinner, and then the Eagles game doesn't start till 8.30 against the Raiders. Like That's a perfect day. And as someone, I'm just as someone that doesn't celebrate Christmas, I'm pumped, dude. I use my plan now is I'm going Sixers at noon. I'm going movie theater at three thirty. I'm going hoagies or whatever. Probably Chinese buffet at six. And so then you hit Eagles all the stereotypes. Oh hell yeah! Chinese. I'm gonna be honest. So I've I've always dated. Uh, I'm Jewish, and I've always dated. Uh, non-Jewish people, not in purpose. It's just, it's always happened like that. And so I've done some celebrating of Christmas, but dude, Chinese buffet and movie theater is th how, like that's an amazing combination regardless of what day it is. So I'm, yeah, that's a beautiful day. Huh. I was going to say like, uh, I, you know, usually there's a nice Hanukkah override there and a nice overlap. There's none this year. 
for those who celebrate that. That's yeah, when is Hanukkah? Is Hanukkah not it's the twelfth to the twentieth. I googled it. Okay. Early yeah, on. I have never known when Hanukkah is any year because it doesn't go by our calendar, and it it's it's just too much variables. I can't handle that. To me, that seems like it might be the like it. It, it seems like that would make for me like being Jewish difficult, not knowing when the big holiday is every year. I, I'm like a big routine like guy. Easter, that Easter would drive is, me nuts. Uh, similar. What usually happens is, is you get a text from your parents and they go, so are you going to be here Monday night? And you're like, <laughs> what's Monday night? And you're like, ah, crap. One of these, one of these holidays. Uh, I, I right, think well, that from, go ahead, Russ. Um, I, it's funny that we're having the conversation the way that we're having it, because I think that one of the most overshadowed announcements yesterday was that the Sixers are going to be playing on the second night of the season on ESPN. And, and that has been like, I think you said off air that that was something that was buried on that uh, in the press release for the Christmas Day game. Yeah, so the uh, press the, release actually went out like mid-afternoon yesterday, and there was like a 6 o'clock lid on it because I guess the league uh, the league wanted to be the first to tweet this. The league and the teams wanted to have first right to officially announce the Christmas games, even though both that are, yeah, the Christmas game because the London game official announcement was the day before, even though both had previously been reported on and everybody knew about it. But I was like, I was preparing the post to go to go up at six, and I remember like usually I copy like the first few lines of the press release because they contain all the relevant details, and then I looked at the last line, and it's like, oh, by the way, they open the season on national TV. And it'll be the second night of the season or whatever. And it was like weird. Like that seems like that seems like as much of a lead as anything. But although wasn't the Thunder game last year all that was an ESPN game to start the season. That was the uh that was the double barreled finger guy game, right? Yes, that was an amazing game. Yeah, that was very I think that was opening night. Yeah, yeah. So like it's it's cool to watch the league that, you know, came in and, and over over asserted their authority to uh jettison our dark lord Sam Hinky. Are now reaping the benefits of of uh, watching this this young team become a focal point of the uh, the calendar year. I do have to point well, that's out what happens and, when you have Joel is, Embiid. So I have to point this out. So when Rachel Nichols tweeted about the the opening day lineup and I think the Christmas lineup, there was this Milwaukee Bucks fan who got really bent out of shape that the Milwaukee Bucks were not part of the Christmas lineup. And Fuck so I got, I got, so I, I got into Milwaukee. this like little bit of a back and forth because I like to understand fans from other fan bases. Was it uh, Mallory so, Edens? Please let no. me know. So I said, so I said, uh, wasn't that the, that's the owner's daughter, right? Indeed. The, the pretty one that you were like infatuated with. Yeah. Okay. But encourage following so, her on I'm Instagram. I'm not, not, su- not surprised. So, uh, this guy, I, I, I just kind of went back and forth of like what his realistic expectations for the Bucks were. And he, he, I think he said a third seed or something like that. I'm like, do you you realize that your team is not good, right? Like, you realize that you have Giannis, and and that's pretty much it. You've got Giannis, Jabari, who's kind of a jabroni, and then like you've got the worst rookie of the year since Michael Carter Williams and Malcolm Brogdon. And this guy's like, well, you know, the Sixers, if Joel Embiid's healthy, they'll be like a nice sixth seed. I'm like, dude, you know what? Like, this is we. I I often say that Philadelphia fans overrate or are are way too critical on their own teams where there's not a rational person in the house but like Bucks fans man they're from their ownership saying that that they don't need to trust a process they they care more about uh the results to watching this guy on Twitter just bury himself with nonsense I have to say there is no better feeling and there will be no better feeling than watching the Sixers highlight and begin their their little reign here as the Eastern Conference sweetheart 
that everybody's going to want to tune into uh, NBA TV or NBA League Pass to watch. I'm excited to watch Joel, Ben, Dario, Markel just blow the whole thing up and make and, and make fans of the city of Philadelphia. Who, who do they play in that second game? Which one? The the one that you said was overshadowed. The, the second game of the year, Kyle. Did they announce that? Uh, yeah, they no, oh no! I think what he he was he meant was it's the second night of the it's NBA the second season, night. It's, it's and Wednesday. it's the Sixers are opening their season on. So, like, I guess how the NBA sort of like staggers those national TV games to start the year. Right. The Sixers are on the second night. I think that's yeah. What who are they playing? Oh, the, I'm looking right now. Sorry, the Wizards. In, okay. In DC, it sounds like a <clears throat> road trip. Who do you think uh, gets more uh, fans in London, Celtics or Sixers? Celtics, Celtics? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know. I, by the way, we talked about no this because before. because they're gonna no they're gonna take all the Crystal Palace fans. Like I said weeks ago or a month and a half ago on the podcast that it, when we heard the rumor of London and I said, well, at least Crystal Palace isn't that far away. I could see Josh Harris putting the whole team on the bus and sending them up to go see good old Crystal Palace get whooped. And apparently they are going to be doing that. I would not be surprised to see Josh Harris and and his Crystal Palace faithful uh, run some kind of a promotion for supporters from that team getting discounted tickets or getting priority to uh, to go fill out the O2 arena. Do not be surprised. Couple of things here on that. Um, in the press release about the London game, there was just a a wall of quotes from basically everyone involved in the game, from the mayor of London down to I think like uh, like. Ben Simmons, but uh, Joshua Harris's quote and both Scott O'Neill's both talk got three lines in before they mentioned Crystal Palace. So there definitely is a tie-in. Harris pointed out as, "Hey, they're going to be able to watch basketball and then go see this terrific Crystal Palace game, one of the most storied teams in EPL." Yeah, uh, EPL, I also don't which know does if premiere today for those uh, who don't care. I also um, don't know if the Sixers have any control of the tickets, because they're, they're giving money back to the season ticket holders for that game, but all ticket requests are going to NBA.com backslash London. So I suspect this is very much a league thing. So I'd be interested to know how much Harris can actually pull from that and give to his soccer fans in Europe. But I'm sure, I'm gonna will, look up, I'm sure there will be a tie in there. I'm going to look up what the attendance was the last time they went out of the country, like the, the NBA went out of the country to see if it was a sellout or not. I'm sure. Um, by the way, Adam, the Sixers are playing. So it's the second day of the season, Wednesday, October 18th. They're going to be playing at Washington, 7 o'clock ESPN. Oh, thank God, the man. First... I, I didn't know that. I didn't hear Kyle say that. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess when anytime I go to Google something, everybody's audio breaks up like a robot that is uh, meeting its untimely end. So I lose whatever happens as I'm Googling something. So in that little bit of time that I pulled up Rachel Nichols, I missed that. My apologies. What's Hopefully unfortunate is I'm, I'm paying attention right now to some, some NFL stuff, and it's looking like Zeke could be suspended six games, but it could be less. We should know by today, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But so after just, he appeals it, it'll go down to, like, what, one and a half? I don't know, man. Uh, remember, Brady had to, to fulfill his suspension. It, it's you know like Lane Lane was able to, to but his was actually they had to do some testing. This is a domestic uh, abuse thing, and the NFL does not usually allow people to appeal those because it's a ruling. Did not Greg as, Hardy? Uh, Greg Hardy missed a. I mean Greg Hardy doesn't play anymore. No, um, I know, but didn't he? I just it sucks the Eagles. Thing, didn't he? It just sucks the Eagles don't get to play them during the suspension. That's what stinks. That's right. I'll take. I think I'll that actually adds to the intrigue. 
regardless. Doesn't that add a little bit to the intrigue? That'll that'll be like the storyline leading up to it that Zeke uh, is going to be fresh for the game and that he's looking to, you know, prove everyone wrong and he's on his redemption tour. Like, I, I can hear the narrative, uh, the NBC machines typing it up right now and ESPN writers. Like, it, it, it will be a thing. I can um, just, it's stupid. While we're, last thing, I guess, while we're on suspensions, the photo of Roger Goodell with the Patriots fans, how many guys do you think they had to wrangle? Keep in mind, they're on the, probably on the suite level here. He's not in the concourse with the common folk. Uh, how many people do you think they had a survey before they got four guys in Patriots jerseys to agree to stand there and smile and not pretend to pour their beers on him, give the middle finger, or open up their shirt to revere like uh, one of Barstool's anti-Gadell shirts? What those are, are those are people probably, I don't know if that's Kraft's suite, because I know that Robert Kraft does not like Goodell, and I had heard that part of the reason Goodell wasn't going there was uh, Kraft wasn't going to let Goodell take like the back door and all that stuff because Kraft is that like Kraft is really the commissioner of the NFL and people don't realize it like he was the one involved in so much of like the TV contracts and all that stuff Kraft's a boss but those definitely looked like people that were in a suite that like take a picture with Goodell and then they're like hey thanks so much man and they post it with like Oh, look at the idiot on the left. You know what I mean? Like you let all you do all your crap talking afterwards. But if Goodell doesn't go there for the season opener against Kansas City, it's a real Bush League move to say you went to Foxborough during a preseason game against the Jaguars. No, he's going. In fact, the photo was tweeted. Yeah, he better go. The photo was tweeted. Is it Greg Aiello? There's a couple of the NFL PR guys. I. It was definitely one of those guys who tweeted. I think it's Greg Iel. I might be wrong on the name. He tweeted the photo and said, here's, you know, Roger Goodell uh, coming back on 9-7 for the opener against the Chiefs. So he he put it out there that he's going to be back publicly because I think they did take some guff because I guess he did take the back door last night. People seem to be surprised that he was there. I ah. think there's a photo of I think there's a photo of him talking to Kraft, like people super enhanced Twitter pick. But yeah, I think that photo was only tweeted out by the NFL PR guy. And I suspect that they a hundred percent did not allow any of those guys to take their own cell phone picture of that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering how long it took them to find those guys or if they were, that was, yeah, that was low key for sure. That was low key. One of my favorite storylines last year is that Goodell went to every, practically every stadium during the playoffs Except, except for Foxborough, because he knew they were going to just freak out on him. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, if there wasn't an Eagles game in the Sixers schedule, we'd be talking about Reese Hoskins, but I don't know. Phillies lose 10 he had a nice, uh Hey, he had a nice walk, and he uh, he also went down, or he, he went down looking at a, uh, a cold strike three. The walk that he had was well outside the zone. It clipped off the catcher's glove, and all I could think to myself was, Ryan Howard would have swung at that. It's funny that Phillies baseball the rest of the season, I'm going to watch that the way I watch Eagles preseason, which is I really don't care what the final score is, but I'm going to focus on how the prospects look. So I will be watching the fighting Reese Hoskins for the next two months, it sounds like. Can I, uh, I'm just going to say this because people ask about it and it's going to be 15 seconds. The uh, MLS transfer window closed. The union made one move. They got $50,000 in allocation money, which is very confusing to people who don't follow the sport, in exchange for an international roster spot that they're not using. They did not acquire a player. 
they once again did not get a playmaking number 10. They did not get a striker. They got nothing. And it's fitting because there was an article that gave ratings, rankings, uh, grades to every MLS team on how they did in the transfer window. And it's fitting that the Philadelphia Union got an F because that's something that the owner, Jay Sugarman, doesn't give about the fans, the season ticket holders, the people who, who fill that stadium and watch a trash product. He does not care. He probably never will. He's going to sit on his investment and watch it continue to be profitable. And he's the most disgraceful owner that I think the city of Philadelphia has ever had. And that's all I'm going to say. It was a good take, Russ. And now in terms of testing Kyle's soccer knowledge, Kyle Russ said they, they failed to go out and get a 10. What do you think he means by that? Um, it could be one of two things. It could be just sort of a general comment that like a 10, like an A type player, or it could be like, there's actually something you could do with that money that is classified in league contract circles as a 10. I'm going to go with the former. And you're somewhat close, but the actual terminal, it's a position on the field. Russ, mm. would you like to explain a 10? I like, I like, I appreciate Kyle that you, who wants to be a millionaire that. I really do. I actually like the fact that, like, this is the first time I haven't had, I haven't been the one to get questioned about, do I know what any of this stuff is? Um, the number 10 is typically your central attacking midfielder. It's typically worn by your best player. It's it's often the number that, um, like, you'll see Lionel Messi wears 10. Wait, so yeah. it's not uh, his, like, the, position on the field, like baseball, yeah. where, like... No, like, so no, it's... Well, it's kind of. So, so there are, there there is something to be said for that. So, yes, like... U.S. soccer especially, this is a thing because I coach, but like U.S. soccer has essentially continued to push this idea of, of um, assigning roles based on numbers. So yes, like a number 10 is typically a central attacking midfielder. It doesn't necessarily mean that that guy's jersey number is going to be 10. It's just that like sometimes that ends up happening. Yeah, like, and nine, like the, 9 and 10, like players that wear 9 and 10 are typically the biggest goal scorers nines are typically the guys that like run ahead that's like your luis suarez's if that name rings anything and he's then, the guy with the really big teeth that bit yeah, he a guy bites in the last people, world cup but he's like incredible like uh didier drogba was a nine and then 10 is the guy like right behind him that sometimes passes to the nine but he himself is also a badass motherfucker so yes, the union yet again do not have one of those. They've been trying to put different guys in that in that position. It hasn't worked. Yeah, they've so, literally been like the Eagles run of quarterbacks when it's like like hey, let's try. Oh, what was that guy they took Mike something Mike from the Yeah, like they've been putting yeah. in like Mike Old McMahon's and Coy was, Detmers. Do you remember Mike McMahon's whole thing was um uh he ran the scout team. I remember specifically Mike McMahon was a guy that ran the scout team when the Eagles were going to play the Falcons the year that they uh, played. I Mike think that Vick. was the year that they that they won the NF. What did I say? No, no, no. You're right. Oh yeah, yeah. when uh, when they needed somebody to run around like Mike Vick, that was who they uh, they had running the scout team. That was the only thing that that guy I think ever did for the for the team. But so I we have five iTunes won. comments. Can I run through these and we'll start to wrap the show? Yes, sir. Okay, DJ Mooser, love from Lancaster. As a Lancaster County native and Drexel grad who lives off Philly sports, it's awesome to finally have something entertaining to listen to, a.k.a. where I don't need to hear Billy from the shipyard calling into a radio show to discuss Cameron Rupp's OBP for 25 minutes. Give me those video game and Game of Thrones discussion over any of that, any flipping over that, day of the week. Keep it up, fellas. 
I like Billy from the shipyard. I kind of want to be that character a few times. <laughs> well, that's good. He's probably a divorcee, too. Yeah. Um, oh, this is a good one. Five stars, but the comment is, meh, this podcast is okay. It's nice to add to the end of your playlist when you're caught up on all your other podcasts. <laughs> I, I, hey, I appreciate the, the five of, stars. Yeah, I asked people at the end of the last podcast. I said, look, if you leave a five-star review... It gets more notoriety, and it's more likely that somebody's going to read it. So even if you hate us, don't leave us a one star. That just goes into obscurity, but a five helps. Yeah, we'll read all five stars. Uh, five. Russ guilted me into rating by TJ's Backtat. Love the podcast. Really looking forward to the content during football and basketball season, but even during this slow summer, it's been a great listen. Thanks, y'all. You're welcome, TJ's back tat. Thanks for the five-star comment. North Philly's awesome pod. I really like to see you guys add a theme song. Maybe a Philly artist like The Roots, or just have Russ pick something weird. I would do something from uh, Adam. You're probably going to school me here, but I I enjoy Meek's new album. Do we call Kyle, you've listened to Meek album? Mill's new album. Driving in the car the other day, I gave I'm me a Hey Siri, you. play the latest, uh, play Meek Mill's newest. I like Issues, which is I guess the well, single, well, well. but this I also like the one before on that that LeBron had on his IG. I love I the fact a, that you went, I listened to Meek Mill's album by going, hey, Siri, <laughs> please play Meek Mill's newest. My phone literally just started moving. Damn it. White guy status confirmed. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was crack. No, it is good. It is good. Uh, yeah, I think, you know what? Let's put that to the iTunes commenters. If you guys listen to us over the weekend and you've listened this long, thank you. But if you have some song recommendations that you'd like us to consider, uh, let's just start kind of getting some ideas and we'll kind of do a collection. But I also like the idea of Russ picking something weird because it just allows us to make fun of Russ for oh, his suggestions. Uh, last one, ones. Perfect Discord, CW Soccer 12. Each of these guys compliment the others in a way that you think is a contrasting opinion. We'll either start out an all-out war or make one of them cry. However, they nearly always bring the discussion around and have some great back and forth. Kyle likes to repeat himself, parentheses, or hear himself talk. Russ is a fan of teams no one else wants to talk about. Thanks, Russ. And Adam is a pompous video personality with another podcast drink. But as I drive an hour and a half to a Phillies game on a Thursday afternoon, I wouldn't want to listen to anybody else. Ain't that beautiful? Only if you only knew. If you only knew... All right, like appreciate the, the five stars. Deep cuts. It's not Nickelback. I don't know. I just made it up. If you're what is the, uh, real quick? What is the appropriate way for me to listen to me? Like um, I was well, blasting you take, it in your bathtub with a bottle of uh, Cristal, I believe, right? No, but I was blasting it so, the other day, and then I was at like a light, and some of the guy next to me had his window down, and he could a hundred percent hear it, and like. I'm just not sure. Am I singing along? Am I not in my head? Like, how do I? I feel like it's an odd juxtaposition pulling up so, next to me, uh, blasting Meek. If you're able to sing along to Meek Mill, then I'm even more impressed that you would know the lyrics to his songs. Only issues. My, I, I love Meek Mill, but I can't understand what he's saying half the time. If we're going to go into a hip hop discussion uh, in linguistics. But I would say that it sounds like you got a little shook at the light um i think the correct move is kyle if you think he's looking at you 
you should slowly turn, look at him, give an exaggerated head nod, and then look right back out in front of you. And then, uh, I Does don't he kind know. of pucker the lips with the, uh, yeah, maybe throw in a wink. Kind of like a, like a, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't like I don't the wink, I, I like the I, head nod. I like yeah, the head I wouldn't nod. blow a kiss, as Russ no, is I saying. No, I don't mean it as a kiss. I mean just kind of like, mm, mm-hmm, like purse your lips. Like, kinda like, yeah, you know, this is good. This is good right here. Yeah, you know. but uh, yeah, dude, in, embrace the hip-hop. It's it's a lot better than uh, the Avril Lavigne you've been listening to. I'm not going to lie, I... I decided to listen to it after LeBron keeps playing it on his Instagram. His like we're everyone. The whole league is in agreement that LeBron's Instagram lives are really fucking weird. Right? Like I know, I know Steph and Kyrie were making fun of it, but everyone's in agreement that it's like uncomfortably weird at this point. Right? What's crazy is, is it shows how big of a personality LeBron is that he has a professional imitator that he that the imitator goes viral imitating his videos and the hip hop artist T Grizzly when LeBron when he first did this and you remember the one where he said I go to the Rolly store with a Rolly on like he had that one T Grizzly's album sales tripled after LeBron played it in his Instagram videos so do wow. never forget that LeBron has a media management team that is telling him what to do and how to handle it. And I would not be surprised if there's a few things here. They're telling him to make these videos. And two, they begin to do sales against these videos. Whether he's wearing merchandise, playing certain songs on purpose, has certain things in the background, starts getting guests back there. Like what if instead of Carpool You're so karaoke, much more cynical than I am. I like. Oh, dude, I am. I always think there's money attached to this. What if instead Lefko of goes out to North Car- Carolina and, and interviews an Instagram star, and now now he is the uh, resident Instagram expert. Yeah, well, believe me, I got. I learned a lot from this guy. But what if instead of carpool karaoke, LeBron starts hosting workout karaoke? Like I'm telling you. LeBron has his own production company. They just launched another. They, LeBron is now an EP on a sneaker show, a sneaker sitcom that's going to be on a network that got announced yesterday. I, I think all of this is highly manicured. I found it funny um, after he was flirting with Ben Simmons on Twitter and stuff. Uh, and then and then and then uh, I forget. Oh, so I redid the I'm coming home video in the plane. And there were people like to your point, like all this stuff is, is very choreographed and these guys are well aware of what they're doing. There were people on Twitter telling me, oh, Kyrie was just listening to that song. He's literally coming home. I'm like, you are really dumb if you think that that wasn't some sort of a of a veiled reference to LeBron. Uh, when he did that and then, you know, like, like laughing maniacally throughout it. Um, as far as LeBron goes, the, uh, the Meek Mill thing, someone had tweeted, they're like, man, if he, if he, now that he's flirting with Ben Simmons, if he goes on Instagram and posts a video of himself listening to Meek Mill, Philly is not going to be able to sleep for the next 12 months. I swear to God, it was like 42 hours it's later. It's going to be he, almost as ridiculous as it was when LeBron said that he was coming home. Like he said, we'll have to do that the next time I come home to L.A. And then everybody lost their mind. It was like three days ago on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, the interesting point, thing I think with, all of it is well thought out. Like he's If like I was going clues. to – oh, I think it's all that. The only thing I would say of why he might like Meek Mill is Meek Mill famously lost that battle with Drake – 
And this album is about wins and losses and about how real ballers never lose because you're always winning. That's like the whole thing, which is like LeBron in a nutshell for like the last year. That's reasonable. Uh, Drake did win that. That the back to back was was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, one last hip hop nugget because I know we have one listener that tweets at me every time I talk about hip hop. Um, people are like, "Man, I can't believe!" Like Drake released a song, and then two days later he released another one, and people's reaction were, "I can't believe Meek's taking this long to respond." Meanwhile, if you go back to the NWA days. Ice Cube literally didn't respond to NWA for nine months, and people call it the greatest diss track of all time. It's just a sign of the times that we live in this age now where people are like, I tweeted you, respond in the next five seconds, or I think you're dead. Who was it that you said uh, um, didn't respond to NWA? Ice Cube. Yeah, Ice Cube. Uh, so now, came- so Karma, Karma came back around, and now he gets Allen Iverson not responding to him for. Uh, yeah, the, the song that Ice Cube did is No Vaseline. And Kyle, if you were rolling down the street listening to No Vaseline, people are going to be a little bit wary of you because it's it's one of the harder songs you'll ever hear. It's Because, you know, it's it's No Vaseline. Yeah, I think I know where it goes. Yeah, let's not let's not talk about that in in detail, Kyle. I know you're probably chomping at the bit. Is that like an E4? Like, is that an E? I've always, for my for my money, like E40s always had some pretty hard songs. Is that harder than E40? You're probably going to school me here. Ice Cube is one of the hardest rappers to ever live, and that song "No Vaseline" is just the the ballinest baller ever. It's he literally just calls out every single person on the in NWA and puts all of their dirty language. E40 is hard. I think you're thinking of his beats. Like his beats are like boom, boom. Because in California, they used to do this dance called crumping, which is like a very hard downbeat. Yeah, we're going really down the well. Sorry. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I know what that is. All right. So hit us up on iTunes, leave a five-star review and to let us know what are some good theme songs that we should adopt. I, like I was referencing, the by the way, E40s. Finished the season, that would be, uh, you know, that'd be a little bit fair. E40s, you and that, you and that, that song, uh, that song was, uh, was uh, appropriately filthy. Filthy. Go All right. All wow. Right. We. We're off the tracks. This, this is Let, the thing that happened. All right. Let's go. <laughs> All right, off the tracks. But Thomas, the train is pulling into the station. Guys, have a great weekend. If you're going down the shore. I hope the weather is gorgeous. Uh, Russ, Kyle, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Everybody out there, keep kicking ass and let us know what song we should pick for the podcast. We're excited. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.